Hello everyone, this is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 22 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, very good. Same as always. Okay, of course, we're going to open up part one of the show. Part one is called the review part, where we review the fights from last weekend and last week, of course. And then part two will be the part where we bring you the preview side of things. So the preview is part two, where we preview the fights coming up this weekend. There's a lot of fights to go over this week that have just taken place in the review part of the show. Of course, this show will also include free interviews, and it will be the fifth show running where we've had free interviews on the show so we're going to waste no time getting into part one we're going to start with a little card that took place in australia friend of the show billy dib the ex-world champion of course he came on the show a few weeks back his record going into this fight was 39 wins and four losses of course he fought a guy who had 13 wins and four losses Uh, billy dib racked up his 40th professional win of course it was in the lightweight division it was only an eight rounder it was only scheduled for eight rounds but billy dib one unanimously after eight. We're now going to move over to Saturday. We're going to move over to Germany. Our very own Ola Afalabi fought Marco Huck for the fourth time. This time, unfortunately, Ola Afalabi couldn't get a win. Um, of course, he's lost three times to to Marco Huck now and one draw in their four meetings. It was for the IBO. Uh, cruiserweight title. Marco Huck picked up the win, of course, and Ola Afalabi didn't come out for the for the 11th round, so it's recorded on his record as a 10th round. You know, retired. He retired after 10 rounds. Didn't want to come out to the 11th. Um, Cecilia Baracus, of course, the woman, the woman fighter who's trained by Jonathan Banks. She was also on the card. You know, she moved to 28 and 0. Again, still unbeaten. She's got the WBC, WBA, IBF, IBO, and WBO welterweight title. So a serious, serious fighter in in the women's side of the sports. Um, we're now going to move over to America. We're going to leave the big Manchester showdown till last. I think we're going to leave the best till last. I'm not saying it's the best. I'm not talking about the actual quality of the fight. I'm just talking about in terms of the hype. A lot of people want to hear how we saw things on that card. So we're going to start over in America. We're going to start with the Santa Cruz card, of course, taking place over there. So I, as I didn't actually manage to catch that fight, but I know you saw Leo Santa Cruz defend his title against Kiko Martinez. How did you see that one? Oh, Leo Santa Cruz is, is a good fight. He was very good. He dropped uh, Kiko Martinez first round. He dropped him in the first round twice, sorry, actually. And then he was, I mean, throughout the whole fight, I think he was roughly throwing about 100 punches. And then at, in the fifth round, yeah, where, the, where the fight got stopped, where Santa Cruz was throwing so many punches and Kiko was throwing nothing back. And therefore, the referee had to stop it. Yeah, you know, Kiko Martinez, of course, we've seen him in there with Quig. We've seen him in there with Frampton. Quig dispatched of him in two rounds. It took Leo Santa Cruz five rounds. But, you know, like I say, he seemed like he was all over the place, Kiko Martinez. He was definitely outclassed by Leo Santa Cruz. We saw that before the fight had started, to be totally honest. Um, Michael Hunter was also on that bill. He was the heavyweight prospect. But strangely, this fight was down at cruiserweight. Uh, Michael Hunter now moves to 11-0. and 0. He picked up a first-round KO. That was on the undercard of Leo Santa Cruz and Kiko Martinez. We're now also going to go over to Madison Square Gardens now, New York. Top of the bill, Terence Crawford against Henry Lundy or Hank Lundy. Talk to me, Ayaz, about this fight. Terence Crawford, he was, oh my days, in that fight, he punished Hank Lundy. like It was unbelievable. This guy's got speed, got power, and he's got the skill. And with him, yeah, he was like, he was Hank Lundy. Hank Lundy was giving it a lot, yeah. But obviously in the fifth round, like when Crawford just thrown so many punches and Hank Lundy couldn't uh, do nothing about it. So the referee had to stop it. Yeah, I think, um, I think, I think Hank Lundy, he, he really did give it his all. I think he actually won the first round pretty, 
pretty convincingly, to be honest. He came out there, and it was an it was a you know it was one of those fights where you watch and it was quite exciting. You couldn't really take your eyes off it. Both men were sort of going for it, of course. Albeit Hank Lundy was a bit more wild, a bit more reckless, whereas. Crawford was a little more composed and relaxed and quite smart with his shots. He doesn't really waste many shots, Terence Crawford. You don't really see him throw a wild punch that just misses by miles. That doesn't really happen too much to him. But now Terence Crawford, of course, he keeps, he retains his WBO World Super Lightweight title. And of course, he's now 28-0 and unbeaten. Moving down that card, Felix Vadejo, he was also on the bill. He was defending his WBO Latino Lightweight title. He now moves to 20 and 0 with a 10th round unanimous decision in his favor. Okay, that's enough of the USA now. We're now going to come back to Great Britain, of course. We're going to start with a little card that took place. Well, I say a little card. It was quite a big card, but it took place in York Hall, the home of boxing here in Britain, basically. Bethnal Green, of course, London. Wardy Camacho, he picked up a fifth-round TKO. That was for the vacant Southern Area Cruiserweight title. He defeated Dan Woodgate. So Wardy Camacho now 15 wins and five losses. Of course, also on that bill, Ben Jones, he picked up a TKO in the first round, so he now moves to 21-5 and five with one draw. And now the big one. We go over to Manchester, the absolute big one. I'm going to start kind of at the bottom. I just want to read out some of the results. Uh, Scott, Fitz, Scott Fitzgerald, of course, he made his debut. He picked up a third-round TKO. He's a middleweight prospect to look out for. Marcus Morrison, he picked up a first-round TKO. He now moves to 9-0. and Conrad Cummins moved to 8-0. and Of course, he's got the one draw. It was a points decision after six rounds. Josh Taylor moved to 4-0 and with a TKO in the second. Charlie Edwards... He's the new WBC international silver flyweight champion. Of course, the title was vacant. He fought Luke Wilton, who had a record of 16 wins and four losses with one draw. Charlie Edwards now 7-0, and going on to really big things. We're going to be speaking to him shortly. Ryan Burnett, he also picked up a win. He now moves to 13-0. and He picked up the vacant WBC international bantamweight title unanimously after 10 rounds. Josea Burton was also on the bill. He picked up his 15th career win. Of course, he was unbeaten going into this fight, 14-0, and and he fought Miles Shinkwin, who was on our show, I think it was last week. It might have been the week before. Miles Shinkwin, of course, was unbeaten as well, 12-0. and So somebody's O had to go, and it was Miles Shinkwin. So Miles Shinkwin now 12-1. and Josea Burton, 15-0. and He picked up a sixth-round TKO. So now he is, of course, the title was vacant, but he's He's the new British light heavyweight champion, of course, Jose Burton, the first cousin of Tyson Fury. Isaac Lowe, a good friend of Tyson Fury, he was on our show, of course, last week. He now moves to 12-0 and with the one draw. He picked up an eighth-round TKO over Marco McCulloch. A really good display, may I add, for Isaac Lowe. He picked up the vacant Commonwealth featherweight title and of course also on that bill in a really big fight a really really big fight with a lot at stake undefeated 14 and 0 with two draws going into this fight He's now 15-0 with two draws. Gavin McDonnell, he picked up a win over unknown quantity, Jorge Sanchez. We didn't know much about him. He was 15-0 going into this fight with nine knockouts. And of course, now he's got the one loss on his record to Gavin McDonnell. Gavin looked really good in there as well. And to be totally honest, Jorge Sanchez, who we saw when we spoke to Dave Caldwell a few shows back, he was saying that he looks a bit of a beast on the tape that they saw of him. And, um, you know, to everyone's surprise, Gavin McDonnell put... Jorge Sanchez down in round two. So it was a really, really good win for Gavin McDonald, to be honest. Really, really good win. Unanimously after 12 rounds. And now the main event, Ayaz. Carl Frampton put his IBF World Super Bantamweight title on the line. Scott Quigg put his WBA Super World Super Bantamweight title on the line. Quigg, of course, we know he picked up a broken jaw in the fourth round. But how did you see this fight? I'll tell you one thing, yeah. Frampton, yeah, what he was doing, he was boxing, boxing and moving, yeah. And the thing is, you know, Quigg, he wasn't throwing no punches till the eighth round. He was just he was, he was literally doing nothing, yeah. And Frampton would just keep boxing and boxing and boxing and boxing and boxing and moving, yeah. Jeff Frampton throwing his combinations, yeah. And obviously it was it was getting quick hurt. And in the fourth round, yeah, Scott Quick broke his jaw. Right, Quick did nothing, yeah. I don't know what Joe Gallagher was saying, yeah. I think Joe Gallagher must have said to him, look, yeah, by the eighth round, you're losing the you're losing the fight on points. And then that's when after the eighth round, yeah, Scott Quick was actually was actually starting to step up and was actually throwing punches and it was actually, believe it or not, it was actually hurting Frampton. 
it was a really, really strange fight, actually. Um, I actually scored the fight. I may have been a little bit lenient in favour of Quig, but I actually gave it seven rounds to Carl Frampton, five rounds to Quig. After six rounds, um, I actually had it 5-1 up to Frampton. And then I gave Frampton the seventh round. So it was 6-1 to Frampton. And then in the eighth, ninth, tenth and eleventh, I gave all four of those rounds to Quig. So on my card, it was 6-5 to Frampton. So Scott Quigg would have needed that last round to give it a draw. But um, And I may have been a little bit lenient, as I say. I've only watched it once. I didn't watch it back or anything like that. Um, you know. And then the last round, of course, Frampton won pretty big. Um, he, he, I think he kind of was saving a little bit to the last round. At the end of the 11th, um, his trainer, Shane McGuigan, they were speaking and I heard him say, is it the last round? Like he seemed a little bit shocked, Carl Frampton, that it was the last round. So I think he may have been saving something in the tank, you know, for some sort of late onslaught. And he came out in the 12th and done what he had to do to win it clearly. And it just goes to show that when he kind of, you know, when he put it on Quig, Quig wasn't able to live with Frampton while he was doing that. I think Frampton took a few rounds off. But Quig done really well after he got told he was losing big and after he, you know, suffered a broken jaw. So you've got to give Quig a bit of credit, you know. It's not like he faked, you know, he faked the injury or anything. There's, there's pictures of him in the hospital. And um, you've got to give him a lot of... It's, it takes a lot to get a broken jaw and to carry on fighting. You know, it's it's, it's, it's underrated. Some of the credit boxers get, it's not enough. You know, they're, they're really... It's a really, really brave sport. And Quig is a really, really brave man. So, of course, Carl Frampton, now the unified super bantamweight champion. He's now got the IBF and the WBA. And, of course, still undefeated. 22-0 and 0 now, Carl Frampton. And Scott Quig, 31-1 and 1 with two draws. So, a massive, massive card. Of course, it was pay-per-view as well. Ayaz, looking back at it, do you think it was pay-per-view worthy? Of course, you know, the fight has got to be pay-per-view worthy in order for the fighters to be paid the amount that they're getting paid. Of course, you know, to give them these big purses, it's got to be on pay-per-view in, in order to bring in that extra income. But do you feel like you you got your money's worth? I mean, watching Frampton, yeah, yes, I did. But obviously, uh, Quig, he didn't do nothing. So in my opinion, like, uh, I think, like, it's just, I'm obviously Sky Sports, so it's going to be pay-per-view, right? But you, I remember watching that Avalos fight. And, you know, Avalos fight, that was more probably more interesting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the whole card sort of... You know, it wasn't really, um, you know, anyone's fault. But the whole card, it didn't really catch light. I was a bit disappointed that they didn't show Charlie Edwards' fight on TV. I know that he won that pretty handily, but they didn't really show that on TV, which I was a bit disappointed in. There was a few fights that I think didn't really deserve to be on TV. I mean, Charlie Edwards, undefeated prospect, one of Eddie Hearn's best prospects. He's fighting for the WBC Silver International title, which, again, I think... Ryan Burnett was fighting for as well. So, I mean, of course, Ryan Burnett, he's had a few more fights than Charlie Edwards, but I don't know, you know, and Charlie Edwards injured his hand in the third round, I believe, and he went on to win almost every, I think he did win every round, actually. So uh, congratulations to Charlie Edwards. Okay, that concludes the review side of things. We're going to end part one with our guest coming up right now. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former European welterweight champion. It's Bradley Ski. Bradley, welcome to the show. Hello, Dre. How you doing, mate? Yeah, very good, mate. Very good. Yourself? Yeah, all good. Fight week, so just the usual. Absolutely. Um, of course, one thing I didn't really realise till I looked at the record, all 23 of your fights have taken place in London, Bradley. What's it going to be like travelling up there to Birmingham? Um, it's, it's, it's something I haven't done as a pro, but obviously I was a, I was a boxer as a, at a high level as an amateur boxing all around the world, so boxing away doesn't really ain't going to really bother me, so I'm quite looking forward to it. And one thing I also wanted to touch on, of course, um, you were the WBO European champion. Obviously, now you're you're now fighting Sam Eggington on Saturday for the British and Commonwealth titles. What happened to, yeah. the, to the European belt? What, what's the score with that? Well, the British Boxing Board, when they won't sanction an, like a, an international, intercontinental sort of belt, to be on the line when the British title's getting getting fought for. So it was spoke about at the press conference that all belts be on the line because Sam's WBC international champion as well. So it was spoke about all belts being on the line. But I'm not I'm not too I've not really heard much after that press conference of what what's going on. But to be honest, uh, for the British and Commonwealth title, um, the winner 
will 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 obviously go on to bigger and better things. But as the loser, like you lose your belt and your ranking anyway, as you've been beat. So it, it's it's more of a winner takes all anyway sort of thing. So my main focus is, is winning really. So the belt's obviously a bonus, but just getting that win. Of course, you're now 22 and one, and, and Sam Eginton 17 and two. Um, records don't really mean too much. But what do you know about Sam Eginton, Bradley? Do you rate him as a as a fighter? Of course, this fight was supposed to be between Sam Eginton and Frankie Gavin, but other stuff outside of boxing has, has, has stopped Frankie from being able to participate in this fight, and you've kind of jumped in. Yeah, well, I, I got put in a mandatory position, so I got the wins I needed. I, I've done what I had to do, so. It's not like I've just been given this opportunity for no reason. I'm man, I'm I'm the mandatory for the British title, so I, I'm there for a reason. Um, I, I know Sam's a tough fighter. He's he's the champion, and he's 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 a he's a good fighter. He's he's the champion for a reason. He's done what he's done. He's beat who he's beat. So I'm expecting a good fight on Saturday. One thing I do want to talk about though the the defeat to Frankie Gavin. Um, I never really saw anyone ask you this after after yeah. the fight. Did you feel you won that, Bradley? Looking back now, yeah, I, I thought I won it on the night. Looking back now, now I feel I won. I feel I won the fight. I, I know it was a close fight, and a lot of the rounds were close. So I can see why the judges maybe give give Frankie the close round as he was the champion at the time, but. Looking back, I think I landed the cleaner punches. Um, I know he was pressing the fight and looked the aggressor, but if you, if you look and if you if you see he was landing the cleaner punches, which which was me, so I still believe I won that fight. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm a I'm a, I'm a fan of Frankie's as well, but I'd be I'd be totally honest. I I thought you won that fight. I'm one of the few people that that thought you got that on the night. I was actually in the arena as well. Um, yeah. I want to talk about some fights that are taking place in your division. It's a massively hot division at the moment, even with Mayweather's absence temporarily or yeah. permanently. We're yet to see. Um, yeah. A big clash coming up between Ashley Fiafain and Adrian Broner. How do you see this fight going, Bradley? Yeah, I think it's a great fight for for Ashley. Um, Broner's obviously he, he's proved he's beatable. He's well beatable. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for him. Um, I think he can go and grab it with both hands. If Ashley Ashley's had some good wins and and he's under the the Mayweather promotion, so he's got he's got a great backing. So why not why why not? It wouldn't uh, it wouldn't be a massive shock if he went there and, and did do the job. And I wish him all the best in doing that. Absolutely. Elsewhere, um, the third, the rubber match now between uh, Manny Pacquiao and Tim Bradley. What do you think about that fight? Uh, and don't well, don't Pac- don't just back Bradley because he's got the same name as you. <laughs> no, I think um, the Pacquiao. I don't know. I just him against Mayweather. He just he just wasn't the Pacquiao what I thought would turn up to be honest of of late. So. Um, if that if that Pacquiao turns up, I can I can see Bradley winning that fight. If if the if the the old school Pacquiao turns up, and the and the one who, who who's fought Bradley in the past, then yeah, definitely you have to go go with the Pacquiao. So it depends what what um what what Pacquiao turns up to be honest. Last two I've got for you now. Um, it's actually been put off due to an injury, but hopefully it'll get rescheduled. Uh, Keith Furman and Sean Porter. Yeah, that's a great fight. I think that's a great fight. Obviously, I've seen more of of Porter than I've of Furman, but Furman's Furman, he's up there. He, he's he's uh, carries a lot of punch power. Porter's obviously aggressive style, come forward style. I would go with Porter, um, Furman on that one. Sorry, on on uh, with his punch power and and I think the way Porter comes in and I think Furman might clip him. I thought I think he might. It might catch him and, and may get him out of there, to be honest. Okay, and finally, um, it's not really in your weight class, it sort of is, it's sort of its own weight class. Amir Khan and Canelo, the press conference was yesterday in London. How do you see that fight going? Of course, you know, being a Brit yourself, you, you'd like to see Khan win, but it's, he's up against it here, if we're being honest. Yeah, definitely, he, he's, he's out of his weight category. Canelo's proven that that weight. But listen, it's boxing at the end of the day. Anything can happen. And obviously, I'll back, back the Brit all the way. It's, it's a hard task, but just got to go, got to back the Brit all the way. And I, and I hope he can pull off what will be a massive upset if he won. Yeah, absolutely. 
Now, finally, just before we sign you out of the show, Bradley, um, I know we sort of touched on your fight this Saturday on Sky Sports, mm-hmm. but what will we see from you come Saturday night? Just a good technical performance. I've had some great spars, great preparation for this for this for this fight. So I stick to my game plan, and I'm coming out victorious. Excellent stuff. Okay, Bradley. Well, hopefully, um, you know, the next time we're speaking, we'll be speaking to the new British and Commonwealth World Weight Champion. I wish you the absolute best of luck for Saturday. And um, a a big shout out as well to all the fans coming up from Penge all the way up to Birmingham. So uh, excellent stuff. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part is, of course, the preview part. We're going to start with a card that takes place, well, just a fight, really, that's on a card that's taking place on Friday. Prince Patel, of course, 3-0. and Everybody knows who he is in boxing. He's in a four-rounder. His opponent is yet to be announced, and that's over in Norwich over here, of course. We're now going to go over to Saturday. We're going to mention a fight that's taking place in Mexico. It's the return of Antonio Margarito, of course, 38-8. and He faces Jorge Paez Jr., who has a record of 39-7 and with two draws. So their records are pretty much similar, but of course, Jorge Paez Jr. is coming off of a unanimous decision loss in November, late November, the 28th of November. He lost to unbeaten Carlos Ocampo. But Antonio Margarito is returning to the ring, so that should be pretty exciting. Of course, it'll be interesting to see what he's got left. He hasn't been in the ring now for... It's going to be, by the time the fight night rolls up, it will be around about four years and three and a half months, something like that. So it's a long time. It really is a long time, over 50 months. So... um, so it'll be interesting to see what he's got left, Antonio Margarito. Of course, you know I don't know his. I don't really know personally his reasons why he's coming back to the sport. I hope it's not nothing to do with money or anything like that, because we've seen what happens when boxers take a long period of absence from the sport and come back to try and get some money, and it doesn't really go well for him. It doesn't really go successful in most cases. So best of luck to Antonio Margarito, though. We're going to now move from Mexico. We're going to go straight over to Russia. That's a serious, seriously quick flight, isn't it? We just arrived from Mexico to Russia. We're on the fastest plane in the world. Top of the bill, Ruslan Shagayev defends his WBA world heavyweight title against Lucas Big Daddy Brown. Now, this is going to be an interesting fight, Ayaz, and I'll tell you why. Ruslan Shagayev, 34 wins, two losses, and one draw, okay? He's a good fighter, okay? There's, there's There's no two ways about it. But a lot of people see him as over the hill. He was very lucky to win this title, remember. If you remember correctly, he fought Freza Quendo when it was vacant. The title was vacant, and he won on a majority decision. It was a bit... It was a bit close that fight. Um, of course, he's had one defense of the title since then, and that was he won that he won that title in 2014 in July. Okay, so that's what's that? That's like a year and a half, just over a year and a half. In a year and a half, he's only had one fight, and again, it was in July of 2015. So a year after he won it, he got a first round KO. So realistically, when you look at it, and it was over Francesco Pianetta. Okay, so when you look at it. He's only fought one round in the last year and a half. Okay, he knocked the guy out, fair enough. But he's facing Lucas Brown. Lucas Brown, of course, you know, he's not he's not young. He's not he's not particularly young. He's 36 years old. And of course, Ruslan Shagayev now is 37 years old. But Lucas Brown, he's kind of fresh, you know, 23 wins, 20 knockouts, unbeaten. Not the best boxing ability, but a hard punch, a good fight this is going to be. It really is, because Shagayev, I believe, would have beaten Lucas Brown a few years back. But Shagayev, as we're saying, 37 years old, hasn't looked too great in his last few fights, to be honest, despite being WBA world heavyweight champion. A lot of guys want to get you know, want to, want a piece of him. They see him as probably the weakest champion. Of course, you've got the likes of... Uh, Luis, Luis Ortiz, you've got the likes of Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, Charles Martin, of course, as well. He's kind of seen as the weakest, along with Charles Martin. That's not my opinion. It's just the general consensus. Um, so this should be an interesting fight. Can Lucas Brown get to Shagayev? It'd be interesting if he can. It really would be. Could you just imagine if Lucas Brown, a 
a doorman, a bouncer from Australia, turned to boxing, training under Ricky Hatton, can somehow, within a couple of years, because he really hasn't been boxing too long, he made his debut in 2009, okay, and he didn't fight his next fight till 2010. He was actually, he had his debut and then he ended up fighting, it was almost a year and a half later. So he really, and then even when he had that fight, I'm just looking at his record now, he didn't fight for another seven months after that. You know, and then 2011, he had quite a few fights. He had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight fights in 2011. Um, Almost all of them by knockout, all but one by knockout. So, yeah, you know, he's he's he really had a stop start kind of begin to his career, beginning to his career. So he really hasn't been around for that long. You know, as we're saying, he's only really been active for the last couple of years, the last three or four years. And he's got himself into this slot, into this um into this position. So good luck to Lucas Brown. I would love to see him win that fight, to be totally honest. Moving down that bill, two heavyweights that I don't really think are super great, but again, it makes for a decent little fight on the undercard in Russia. Edmund Gerber, 25-2. and two. He's a guy who, of course, lost to Derek Chisora back in 2013 and lost to Michael Sprott back in 2012. Edmund Gerber faces Brian Minto. Brian Minto, we recently just saw him in there with Dillian White. That was the fight. In That was his last fight. He got knocked out in the third round. That was actually at the, uh, the O2 Arena. So Dillian White picked up that win over Brian Minto. That was his warm-up fight before the Joshua fight. And Dillian White looked pretty poor in that fight. Of course, we've also seen Joseph Parker defeat him as well, Brian Minto. So Brian Minto well over the hill now. But that just makes for a, a decent scrap for the for probably the C-class fighters in the heavyweight division. We're now going to move over to the other big one in Birmingham. Boxing really is booming over here at the moment. Show after show, week after week. Sam Eggington, top of the bill, faces off against Bradley Skeet. Now, this is, of course, for the British welterweight title and the Commonwealth welterweight title. Sam Eggington, 17-2. and two. Bradley Skeet, 22-1. and one. Of course, this is in Sam Eggington's backyard. He is a Brummy boy, and of course, Bradley Skeet from Penge, South London, not too far from me. This will be an interesting fight, I as won't it, to be totally honest. Of course, we've seen Bradley Skeet box at a much higher level than Sam Eggington has, but again, Sam Eggington, really, really, really an one of the most improved fighters in the country right now. And of course, Bradley Skeet lost that close, close, close decision to Frankie Gavin. That's kind of what's put him on the, you know, he's kind of put him back a level almost. Not that he needs to go back a level, but he's kind of knocked him back a little bit. How do you see this fight going, Ayaz? I see this fight going to a points win, right? Obviously, um, Bradley Skeet, we know that fought Frankie Gavin, right? And obviously, Sam Agnington, I remember him fighting in prize fight before. And believe it or not, this guy was losing and somehow won the fight. As in a couple of, I see some of his fights. Every time he fights Sam Eggington, he's like behind the fight, and somehow he ends up winning the fight. So this yeah. fight, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I want Bradley Skeet to win, but I've got a feeling Sam Eggington's gonna win. But well, it's gonna be a tough one. I, I don't really like to, you know, publicly uh, publish who I want to win too much, but I think Bradley Skeet's gonna win, and I don't have a problem with Bradley Skeet winning. Absolutely. Bradley Skeet's a nice fella. I don't really know much about Sam Eggington personally, but best of luck to both men. May the best man win at the end of the day. Moving down that bill, Cal Yafai, of course, one of the two dangerous Yafai brothers. He's fighting for the vacant WBA Intercontinental Super Flyweight title. He faces Dixon Flores. Dixon Flores, 12 wins, three losses and two draws. Of course, Cal Yafai, 17-0 unbeaten. Also on that bill, Jake Ball, he's out again. He's only in a six-rounder. That's in the light heavyweight division. He looks to move to 4-0. and oh. And, of course, the other half of the two dangerous brothers, Gamal Yafai, he's also on that bill. He faces Bobby Jenkinson. Now, Bobby Jenkinson, nine wins, one loss, and one draw. And Bobby Jenkinson is also the Commonwealth Super Bantamweight champion. So he's actually the champion here. Gamal Yafai is the challenger. So Gamal Yafai, eight wins out of eight with three knockouts unbeaten of course he looks to do the business over Bobby Jenkinson but Bobby Jenkinson's a decent fighter better than his record suggests so best of luck to both guys and again may the best man win we're now going to go over to America now where again we mentioned him just earlier Luis Ortiz the interim WBA world heavyweight champion he faces 
Tony Thompson. Now, this, I don't really like to criticize fights too much. I really don't. But this is a bit of a disaster of a fight, in my opinion. Tony Thompson, who last time out lost very, very, very handily to Malik Scott. It was unanimous after 10 rounds. Um, he actually did knock Malik Scott down, which which was a bit strange. It was in round nine. It was only a 10-rounder. But that's kind of what brought the score the scorecards a little bit closer than they should have been. Um, of course, Malik Scott was winning that round and he just got caught with a temple shot. It was nothing to get him out of there. It was just a bit a bit careless by Malik Scott, to be honest. So Tony Thompson, despite losing to Malik Scott, seems to leapfrog him to a world title shot. So he's in there against Luis Ortiz. Of course, Luis Ortiz, 24-0, and 0, unbeaten with 21 knockouts. Tony Thompson now, aged 44, with 40 wins and six losses. So Luis Ortiz, to be totally honest with you, it's going to be okay while it lasts. Of course, both men are southpaws. It's going to be it's going to be decent to see that. It's it's it's, cool. it's always interesting seeing two southpaws in the heavyweight division face off against each other. It doesn't happen too much, but this should be a pretty easy win if we're being honest. We're not going to mince our words here. I think it's going to be an easy win for Luis Ortiz. How about yourself, Ayaz? Do you think this even goes six rounds? Uh, I see Luis Ortiz knocking Tony Thompson out. How early? I give it. In my opinion, probably round eight, round nine. No, I don't even see it going past four rounds, if I'm totally honest. I reckon one or two rounds. I really do. I really do. And I'm not that big on Lewis Ortiz. A lot of people are. I was at the, of course, we were both there at the press conference yesterday at the Amir Khan and Canelo press conference. We were speaking to a lot of other guys outside afterwards. And guys were telling me how big they are on Lewis Ortiz. And Lewis Ortiz, in my opinion, good fighter, but I haven't seen... You know, I'm not big on him yet. I'm not too quick to to sort of jump the gun with him. But yeah, you know, I think he's definitely got to get Tony Thompson out of there. And if it takes over six rounds to get him out of there, then I certainly ain't jumping the gun for him. Of course, on the undercard of that fight, Jesse Vargas, he faces Saddam Ali. Now, this is actually going to be a really, really, really good fight. Jesse Vargas, 26 and 1. Saddam Ali, 22 and 0. Jesse Vargas, only nine knockouts in that 20. 26 wins and Saddam Ali in his 22 wins he's got 13 knockouts but believe me when I say this one's going to steal the show absolutely steal the show of course Jesse Vargas he's coming off of that unanimous decision loss to Tim Bradley so this is a tough fight to come back to and a, and a good a good shot really for Vargas because when he when he fought last time out against Timothy Bradley it was for the interim WBO World Worldweight title now he's fighting for the vacant WBO World Worldweight title so not the interim the actual full piece of silverware so of course this this vacant WBO World Worldweight title was vacated by Mayweather and then Timothy Bradley won it and now Timothy Bradley's vacated it he's fight, he's facing. Manny Pacquiao next month, of course. And now, of course, they're fighting for it. So the WBO is a title that everyone seems to be relinquishing at the moment in the worldweight division, at least. Uh, moving over elsewhere now, down to Pennsylvania, Julian J. Rock Williams. He's also he's on that card. He faces Marcelo Matano now. Julian J. Rock Williams, 21 and 0 with one draw. Marcelo Matano, 16 and 1. That should be a decent little scrap, this one. This is, of course, a 12 rounder. It's not for any belts or anything like that. It's in the 154 division. And Julian J. Rock Williams is certainly someone to look out for. Okay, now it's time for guest number two. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, fresh off his win on the Quig Frampton undercard on Saturday. It's one of the hottest prospects in British boxing. It's Charlie Edwards. Charlie, welcome to the show. Hi, Joey. Nice one, mate. Thanks for having me on again. No problem. No problem. Now, of course, you're coming off the win over Luke Wilton. You won unanimously. You won every round, to be totally honest, out of 10. Um, how did it feel in there, Charlie? Uh, it felt great. I felt um, I felt the best I have done in my pro career so far. I've done a proper eight weeks campos right here at the end of Jim with Yvonne. And we really gelled great um, in the eight weeks. He was um, working on a lot of things. I sparred that Angel Mourinho who's fighting for the um, European um, Championship, flyweight championship from Spain and Spanish champion and EU champion. So it was a great, great camp. It couldn't have gone any better. Um, me and Danny have worked on so much and we, we knew Luke Wilton was made for me. 
he was um, slow-footed, which for anyone who's got slow feet against me, I will dance around them all day long. My fitness is next to none, and my times were getting quicker and quicker on all my runs. So we really we went in the fight fully confident, and I knew what I could do. Um, I did hurt my my left hand in the third round, which I was in in the ring. I was a bit panicky over, but I, I settled myself. And I listened to my corner and he got me through it. And um, I had a punch-perfect performance, really. And if I did have my left hand all the way through the fight, I would have got him out of there within six rounds. I know it because the first three rounds, I literally teed off on everything I could hit him with. And to be honest, it was probably a bit of that experience coming in where maybe I shouldn't have thrown so much so early on that my hand would have been better. But I suppose I'll learn from that and come back better. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to touch on that, um, injuring yourself in the third round. Is it anything serious? Um, I don't think it's anything serious. The, the doctor looked at it after I felt everything, and he just said it's swollen. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm moving it around. I'm carrying a suitcase up and downstairs, moving to my new place. So it can't be serious, but I'm going to have two weeks off and then get back to punching lightly and then see um, if it's still causing me trouble, then I'll have to go get it scanned and see from there. But I don't think it's anything serious. It feels all right, and it's getting better and better each day. Okay, great stuff. Um, for those that don't know, your fight is now available on the catch-up section on demand on the Skybox, and also, if you go onto Charlie's Twitter, you can find a YouTube link for his fight. Um, so now, of course, you picked up the WBC International Silver Flyweight title. Are you pursuing the WBC route, or is this just purely picking up an extra bit of silverware? Um, I think it looks like we are going to pursue the route. Um, I know the silver world title is available at the moment. Um, Eddie said that he was going to look for it for my next fight. It should be uh, okay to get it for my next fight. So maybe I'll be fighting for the silver world title next, which um, then puts me in the top 10 rankings. And then it allegedly uh, um, gives me a shot for the um, the world title. So we are going down the WBC route. Obviously, if there's anything comes up down comes up along the way like the European title the British title as long as it makes sense and it makes good money then we'll go for it it's, a, um, it's all up to Eddie Earn and up to my management team of MGM Marlboro I've got full faith in them and they're going to grow my career to the best of their abilities Okay so there was a chance um, well probably a couple of months back there was a little bit of talks about the potential fight developing between you and Andrew Selby obviously with your eyes on the silver world title which I believe is something like sort of like an interim kind of thing um, does this mean that the the chances of of you fighting Andrew Selby is probably sort of washed away Um, it's not washed away at all if it makes money it makes sense look I I class Andrew Selby as a world class fighter I'm also a world class fighter so for us to fight at British level, does it make sense? No, it don't, because the money we can generate at world level, look at Quigframpton, they're lightweights, we're lightweights. The public are going to demand it, and over the next few years, as we both progress and as we both put in good performances, people are only going to see us to fight. So for a business perspective, it makes sense for us to wait a little bit and we'll earn big money out of it. If we fight for the British title, we'll probably fight for 25 grand probably, each or something like that where if we wait and wait and build the fight like we don't did who says we can't fight for 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 big big money like them they have three mil a piece i believe so it just makes sense on the business perspective but i'm i'm in full confidence in my ability and how i'm developing i will when when we meet i will beat him I'm fully confident. I know I can beat him. Okay, brilliant stuff. Um, now, of course, if you are moving down that WBC route and you manage to get your hands on the silver title, at the top of the tree, of course, um, Chocolatito. And, of course, yeah. if you do fight, I've come up with um, the name of the show. Okay, so obviously it would be Go top on. of the bill. So the show should be called Charlie and the Chocolatito Factory. <laughs> That's a good one, actually. Seriously, I give you that, 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 that could come up. That, you could have that. You better put copyrights on that. Yeah, 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 I will. Don't worry about that. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> for those that don't know, Charlie, you've recently moved to Spain. I'm talking to you now from Spain. I, I'm going to ask you sort of why the change, but I'm going to first tell you a couple of rumours that I'm hearing on the street as to why you've yeah. gone there. So, so the, the first reason, now none of these have come from me, so the first reason is, Apparently, you're trying to avoid treating me for Nando's. <laughs> the second reason, 
apparently is because you were frightened of ever possibly bumping into Prince Patel. Any truth? Uh, <laughs> there's no truth in that whatsoever. You'd be out here with me, you'd probably come out here and I'll show you all the gym. And as for Prince Patel, he's an actual joke. I don't know if people even speak about him anymore. Like, probably, I think he's boxing next week, but he'll, he'll probably be on that for be on first on the bill so they don't get no television work so that people don't know how actually shit he is but he's he's just a nobody do you know what I mean to me he's a no one I'll beat him I'll knock him out I'm, you know he'll look at my last performance he won't want it so he's just using my name to get the hype to him if that's the only way people can talk about him then then, then let him carry on oh yeah and one one other thing which relates to that have you noticed do you remember that Terry Fitzy guy he's now disappeared off of Twitter he doesn't exist anymore uh, that's him it's him it's him he used to do it back in the day on Warrior Box put accounts up and backed himself up in arguments you notice if someone tweets if he tweets that Terry Fitzy guy won't even tweet and then when the Terry Fitzy guy tweeting he won't be tweeting so he's a sad individual <laughs> okay, so yeah, what was the move for? Obviously, I know, but for those that don't know, what was the move for to Spain? Um, the move to Spain was basically my management coaches set out here. So really, I have nothing to be in London for. Like, I take every opportunity with both hands. MGM really look after me. They put everything into me, and they and I couldn't be happier while I'm here. While I'm out here, the weather's better. It helps me motivate myself to get to train in. It's stress-free out here. When I'm in London, I'm travelling 45 minutes to get to the gym, all through traffic, all through that horrible down weather and things like that. And it just don't put you in a good mood. You're doing a training session before you actually get to a training session. So it's just the place to be out here. I eat. I can eat healthier out here. I don't feel that I need to eat food, things like that. And it's just, it's just a better way of life for me out here. So... In boxing, in boxing, you only have a short career and you've got to take every opportunity and give your life to it. And yeah, I'm out here in my brain. It's a lovely place and people think I'm getting distractions from partying and things like that. But that's not me. I'm, I'm set out to win world titles. So that's my goal. And when I'm out here, my head's completely on it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I know it's a little bit early, obviously. We're only a few days after your fight. But do you know sort of... Well, I kind of asked you earlier, but what what is what what is going to be next? I know you said you spoke to Eddie Hearn. Is that is that the yeah. is that your next step that you'd like to take to chase that WBC silver rather than any other option? Um, I, I'm I'm not really fussed. You know, I, I I put my career in the, the hands of my management team and things. So what they think best for me is best for me. But I'd like to go down that route. I'd like I'd like to get the WBC silver and put me in world title fights. Chocolito's a great fighter. He's pound for pound best out there. I'm in a win-win situation with him. Like, if I go put in a good account for myself, it can make a fight. If I, if I go and beat him, which I fully believe I can, just because like, the way I see fighters that fight him, there's no movement there. They all come and try and fight him, and that's the wrong thing to do with him. He's a very strong and powerful puncher, and he's very clever. So why not play him at his own game and move and make it hard for him? I don't know if they can't do that for 12 rounds, but I could do that for 15 rounds. So I'm, I wouldn't rule myself out and go into that fight. I'd be fully confident that if I everything goes to plan and I train hard and do everything, I, I'm one of the hardest trainers out there. So who says I can't beat him? Okay. Well, before I sign you out, have you got any closing words at all for anyone that's listening? Um, I just want to say thank you for everyone who um, has been giving me kind comments, um, helping motivate me, good luck messages and things like that. Because without about people helping me, pushing me, behind me, supporting me, it all wouldn't be possible. So I'd like to say thank you for everyone who's along on the journey to, the, to my world title. Excellent. On behalf of all the fans and all the listeners, I thank you for that. Um, Charlie, in all seriousness, um, I wish you the best of luck out there, of course, with the big move and the big change and that. And um, of course, we'll be, we'll be in touch anyway. But um, yeah, best of luck yeah. with everything surrounding that. Nice one, Joey. Cheers. Thanks for having me on the show again. Okay, as you listeners already know, we're now in part two. We've already been in part two for quite a while now. Part one consisted of the review part of the show and then the interview with Bradley Skeet. Part two consists of, of course, the preview part of the show. We just spoke to Charlie Edwards. We're now going to bring on our third and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome fresh off of his win on Saturday night on the Quig Frampton undercard. Chief support is Gavin McDonnell. Gavin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, mate. 
no worries, no worries. Of course, you've just come off of the win over Jorge Sanchez. How did it feel in there, Gavin? Because you looked amazing, especially when you knocked him down in the second round. Yeah, um, it felt good, do you know what I mean? It was, on a whole, it was a good experience. Um, fighting on a massive show, um, what it was, and, and being chief support. Um, and then having a massive fight and coming away with, with a good win, do you know what I mean? Um, being on cloud nine. I mean, it's been a fantastic weekend, um, and it's just the start of things to come. Um, of course, you were the you were the EBU, you know, European champ. Have you still got that belt, or did you have to relinquish it in order to fight for the title the other day? Yeah, we um, we, we relinquished that title. Obviously, you keep you get to keep a, a version of the title, obviously, because you won it. But yeah, we we're not the uh, European champion. Uh, although there's nobody's gone on to fight for it since we vacated. Um, do you know what I mean? So yeah, okay, yeah, it's, it's a box kick, didn't you know what I mean? We won that title, defended it, um, and then moved on like you're supposed to. Absolutely. Now you probably know this one anyway. I didn't have to dig dig too deep, but you know you've defeated three undefeated fighters in your last five wins. Yeah, that's it. It's, um, it's just little. Um, it just goes to show, you know what I mean, that we're going about our business the right way, and no. Checking on all comers, you know what I mean? It's taking somebody's unbeaten, uh, you know what I mean? Unbeaten record is a good thing in itself. Uh, but to do to do it at the top level, like uh, like where I am doing it, you know what I mean? When I'm beating them at, um, for good titles in, in a big meaningful fights, it's just a, a nice little little reward, you know what I mean? To know that you're the one who's the first to beat them. A couple of weeks before the fight, we actually had Dave Caldwell on, and he said that the only tape that you could manage to get your hands on of of um, of, of Jorge Sanchez, he looked an animal. And um, to be totally honest, when the fight was made, I thought you know everyone knew he was quite an unknown quantity, 15 and 0, nine knockouts going into that fight. And um, to yeah. see you put him down so early, were you surprised that you managed to get him get him down so early? Yeah, I don't. It's just one of them. Like I was just getting on with my business. Do you know what I mean? I was a little bit, a little bit taken back. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, but I know, I, I know straight away. Like, I'm not one to get ahead of myself and start thinking I'm gonna jump on him and knock him out. It, it, it was hurt a little, but he was still there. Do you know what I mean? He, he won't, he won't ready for, for taking. Obviously, he's shown because he, he gave me a, a great fight and, and were there for 12 rounds. So. Um, it'd be stupid if I'd have gone in there, but yeah, well, a little bit surprised there um, that it went down. But obviously, been working on strength, so the, the power's there, so we are having to look for chaos and knockdowns. They'll, they'll start coming. Um, of course, you was part of the massive card, um, Quick Frampton. What did you think of the main event? Because I know that you quickly jumped in the shower and you darted straight back out to your seat to watch it. What did you think of the actual um, the main event? Looking back now. I think I thought the back end of the fight lived up to the expectation, but the first half um, it did really live up to what everybody thought. Although I thought Frampton Fox cracking, you know what I mean? He got a cracking start. I thought he was just doing enough to, to nip the round and looked a bit busier. Um, but his nose in front, and I think that's what seemed quite through, you know what I mean? But towards the last four or five rounds, you know what I mean? It rebelled, and it's a shame that the fight won, won like that for the full 12. But that's how boxing is, it, you know what I mean? It, it's not always what, it, what it's supposed to be. Um, do you know what I mean? Like Mayweather Pacquiao, look at that one, that was a bit, that was a bit of an anti climax. Didn't they, they quite live up to what it should have been? And they never quite do these big super fights. Um, well, at least, at least the fight, at least we got to see it and, it, and it's happened that we know who the better fighter is. Yeah, of course. Um, I just wanted to touch on your brother. There's been a lot of talk that he may be on the Joshua Martin, or should I say Martin Joshua undercard on April the 9th. I just wanted to know if you knew if that's any closer to happening or not. Um, yeah, he's been rumoured to go on there. We've had no, no confirmation as yet. He's been injured for about 20 weeks now training, so... He's ready to go, you know what I mean? He just needs that uh, that day and hopefully, yeah, that's that's the, the date we want. Um, and, and stuff can get finalised and um, it can really knuckle down for the last couple of weeks and get some sparring sorted. Absolutely. And of course, also in your division, the, the main man at the top that, you know, everybody thinks he's the top man, Rigondo, he's facing our very own Jezza Dickens. 
What do you think yeah, about yeah, this fight? What do you think about this fight, Gavin? Because a lot of people, of course, are giving Jazza no chance, but it's good for his exposure anyway. Of course it is. Of course he's got a chance. You know I mean? It's boxing. Um, people who say that are stupid. Um, everybody's in with a chance, and, and Jazza Dickens is definitely in there with a chance, although Vigondo's massive favourite. His skill set's unbelievable. Um, and, and yeah, he's winning to their massive favour, but I won't be surprised if they were an upset. Chad Dickens is a good fighter. Um, people have off days. Uh, people pull uh, wins out at back what they should do. And, and we're all going to be behind Chad um, and hope he can pull it off. Um, he's got it in his own his own town. Um, I, I just I see it as like the, the, the big in Rigondo up and that when Chad Dickens is on fight, he should be. They should, be, they should be promoting him, I think, a little bit more instead of it like the Rondo show. And then Jazz is, it looks a bit Jazz is just an opponent in my eyes. Like, you know, I mean, it's a bit wrong if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah, no, you definitely got a point there. And last thing I wanted to touch on now, the last thing I'm going to ask you, as I said, we spoke to Dave Caldwell a couple of weeks back and he kept it under wraps about the, the, the well, the big news, the big link-up. Um, David Price now working with your trainer, Dave Caldwell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, David Price is my main sparring partner now, believe it or not. <laughs> we do uh, numerous rounds there, no holding back. <laughs> but no, he's there. <laughs> He's, um, yeah, Price is in the gym now, he's been in a couple of weeks. He, he's, a, he's a great addition to, to the stable. We've got four quality fighters now who I, who I generally believe can, can all win world titles. Obviously, my brother, he's there already, but the rest, rest of us, are, in my eyes, will, will, will win a world title. Me and Tony are just about there. Um, and David will get there. He's, do you know what I mean? He just needs a, a good win or two, and then he's back in the mix. All right, then, Gavin, well, before I sign you out of the show, um, if there's any any message you want to give to any listeners or any supporters that may be listening to this show. Just want to thank, thank everybody for the support. Do you know what I mean? Since my fight, um, I've nothing but good, good words said and spoken. Um, it's nice It's nice that I had um, everybody behind me, um, supporting me. Um, and I just hope everybody, do you know what I mean, all my fans and what have you, do you know what I mean? I'm making them proud and they're enjoying my fights. Um, it's just the start of things to come. Uh, we're on a journey and, and we're going to get there. We'll be world champ. Excellent stuff. All right, Gavin, listen, I wish you the absolute best for the future. No doubt we'll speak again soon. So uh, all the best yep. and, and uh, you know, congratulations with today. Some, you said something about you've done something with charity, if you want to touch on that. I'm just going over to a charity do at Ellen Road. I'm not too, too sure which charity. It's one of my main sponsors. Um, me and my brother are taking some side gloves over and going to do a bit of, bit of talking and what have you. So I'll know more when I get there, but we just we always show our face at these events and, and it's nice just to, to give a little bit back. I've just, we didn't have any signed gloves, so I've just had to root through my gym bag and somebody's going to be getting one of our actual training gloves signed. So it's a little bit, little bit more special to see it's being trained with. Excellent stuff. All right, Gavin, thank you very much for coming on the show and send my best to everybody in the gym. Yep, all done, mate. Thank you for having No problem. Take care. Nice one. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, now it's time to bring episode 22 to a close. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Aya Summer has been Aya Summer. This has been the Box Hard Podcast. Thank you very much to our listeners and supporters for making this podcast the best boxing podcast on the net. A big shout out and a big thank you to our three guests on this week's show. Five shows in a row now with three guests. A big thank you to Bradley Ski. A big thank you to Charlie Edwards. And of course, a massive thank you to Big Twinny Gavin McDonald. Please come back next week. Please keep retweeting, liking, following and favouriting. And we'll see you next week. Take care.